0: Yes, hello, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to a live edition of the ProcureTech podcast. This is the ProcureTech pub where every few weeks we do a live stream episode on LinkedIn Live and live on Twitter we're streaming to as well before we then package it up and put it into a podcast episode the following week. And I'd like to welcome today a very renowned guest, Uh, to the show. uh, Dr. Eloise Epstein of Kearney, very warm welcome and good morning to you. And thankfully, it's not too early where you are, is it? I thought I was waking you up at some ungodly hour.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Not quite pub time here, although I am in New York. uh, So it's 10 o'clock. So I've got a few more hours to go. But yes, not as early as normal when I'm in there
0: and and just to be just to be certain i yeah i don't i don't drink on the job either, so it's uh, while well, it's called <laughs> the pub and I would very much like to be having a glass of wine while i 'm doing this uh, I shall save that until after the interview and i've gone home for the evening so so much to talk about in this space uh, but let's start at the very very beginning. So you've been in this space for a lot longer than, I guess, a lot of people. So for those that maybe haven't come across you, let's just do a really quick whistle-stop tour of of how you got into this space and your background. And then I think once we've done that, it would be great to dig into a little bit of the history of procurement tech to do uh, to do a very quick sort of chronological history of uh, of where we've come from and hopefully to speculate about where we're going to awesome well i started so that's
1: a kind way of saying that i've been in this industry for a long time and i'm old uh so i started in the 2000s with the dot-com explosion and i went to work for a company called abbreviate which was uh, at the time funded by eds back when eds actually existed um and it was a reverse auction tool. So, one of the first e sourcing tools to come into the market. Uh, it was started by former Carney uh, partners. And because uh, at the time Carney was owned by EDS. And so I got in at the ground floor of this, this wave, this first wave of tech procurement technology. I'm actually probably going to mix both your questions. But, well, first of all, <laughs> After about 2002 everything collapsed when the bubble crashed and coming out of the bubble the the procure tech uh, the reverse auctions the first erfp tools the first supplier search tools if you could call them that actually survived then they did along oh until you started to get ariba really coming into its own good taurus coming into its own and and eventually, when you got to 2008, 2009, 2010, you had to start to have some, some of this first consolidation of all these best of breeds at the time it was, and they, they came together. And so career-wise, I took a step to the side. That's when big data was a thing and, uh, and data science was just emerging. So I, I spent a couple of years doing uh, big data and data science for procurement supply chain and then about 2016 2017 we started getting uh we started getting a lot of inbound requests from clients saying hey we bought these sweets and we don't know our users hate them they won't use them and what do we do and i mean when you call carney we're, we're we're expensive so you're not coming to us with trivial problems and and so the more we uncovered and and looked at it, it was it was a staggering problem and and so I decided to uh, re-engage and uh, the deeper I got into this the more I realized uh, on one hand we had a very con- consumerized experience with you know the Amazon experience and on the other hand we had this corporate buying which looked nothing like Amazon and any so, so to make a long story short I realized that we were in the we were I made the, the argument that we needed to be in the platform era as procurement and not everybody wanted to hear that in 2017 but uh by about 2020 2021 um that has become the de facto perspective and so so my career has kind of gone along those those uh peaks and valleys shall we say
0: do do you think covid has accelerated that in the sense that if you've got a clunky, non-intuitive platform and everyone's working from home, then I guess you can't wander down the, the hallway or, the, or, or to someone's cubicle from procurement to ask them for some training, right? It's, um, I mean, I guess that must be part of it.
1: Absolutely. What I really saw the change take hold was with the trade wars, when all of a sudden companies couldn't figure out what the implications were on uh, on suppliers they had in China or not. I, I mean, granted it was U.S. and China, but that 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 sent cascading waves through the broader procurement community. And then, uh, so the, the trend that that really started to solidify this trend. And then we got to the pandemic, and the pandemic just blew it open and accelerated this like nothing else. So I, I do I think very much the pandemic drove this. But the trend was already in place. It just it accelerated for the reasons you said. And at simultaneously, we learned very quickly how to be a hundred percent remote. And that you know, when you're remote, then that becomes the de facto way of working and bad user experiences become very clear very quickly.
0: Yeah, and I mean we it's kind of gone a little bit full circle though now, hasn't it? And and certainly in we'll talk a little bit about your spider spider diagrams, infamous spider diagrams in, in in a in a minute or two, but it's gone from very much a sweet dominated market to, as you said, you know, especially pre-COVID and during COVID, the best of breed approach has really taken hold. But and I'm talking now mainly about enterprise, you know, for mid-market and smaller businesses, there's a there's a separate argument. But most enterprises now, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, but my feeling and what I'm hearing from the market is that most enterprises now seem to be pursuing kind of a hybrid approach whereby they will have some sort of central system as a single source of truth, be that... You know a, ve- a vendor master data platform like a Tealbook or like a brooklyn vendor assurance or you know one of the big sort of legacy p2p suites of which i guess ariba and cooper as market leaders have got the biggest share but then uh, and i and i think having the app stores that that, that sap and cooper have brought in is sort of tantamount to that that they're enabling the 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 best of breed solutions to feed into that now aren't they so Do you think that's here to stay, or do you think that's just another transitionary phase in this whole evolution?
1: Early in my career, it was all best of breed and and an era where we didn't have platforms. And what happened is we sort of ran into the problem of integrations, and then the bigger fish came along and ate the smaller fish, and then it became the de facto were were sweet. And everybody was talking about sweet, 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 and closed-loop systems, and and I bought into that in the in the two, 2010s or so far because you know I decided to that, that procure tech was solved. Like procurement, we got this, like we're gonna like good to go. Well, I'll answer this in two ways. I think we missed the mark because the suites failed to deliver. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And so what you have in corporate enterprises today is sunk leg- legacy, sunk cost uh, investments. And some work, some work. Better than others, and uh, others are just well. Y- y- you can fill in the blank there, or use your imagination. But I think what happened is the suites actually, because M uh no longer exists. You could argue a couple of the others are on life support, and I think so. I'm I'm a big critic of the traditional suite technology. Mm-hmm. I'm a big advocate for the platform approach, and the platform approach is what Salesforce has done. What all sort of AWS, Azure, where you have a core platform and then you build off of it. I don't think anybody has solved 100% the procurement platform, but I think that's where we're going because there's too much investment in these startups and new innovations, which we need. So I think we're going to have another decade in this platform as the platforms mature. Now, what comes after that is probably, we will probably experience another change. But I think right now there's no doubt that we're moving to we are in the platform era. We just don't have 100% the platforms that we need.
0: So, so if I paraphrase that correctly, then we we are going to need a platform that best of breeds or or, or solutions all plug into as having a a sort of single center of the ecosystem. But it doesn't necessarily need to be one of the legacy suites, even though factor facto, in a lot of enterprises, it's end up, ended up being that because they're all already plugged in, and and they and they, I guess, saw what's coming and have had the the foresight to bring in likewise. Even Salesforce is a great example to have an app, to have an, ex- an app store that external solutions can plug into.
1: Well, and if I can make two points there, some of the suite providers have figured this oh, out; yes. others have yeah. not, um, and. <laughs> but but also forget forget that for, and that's true you you paraphrased that exactly right and by the way i have a half a dozen clients that have decided that the suite providers are not for them and they they have strong it groups and they built their own platforms and i don't necessarily recommend this but if you have the capabilities they've re- reaped tremendous benefits and one of one of my clients they just rip p2p in and out like as if it's not an issue at all. Like they, they, I, I'm going to guess weeks. I don't know what it was, but they, they, sw- yeah. like changing P2P for them is no big deal because they have this cent- central platform. And just this, like, stop and think about that for a second. Just ripping out uh, P2P and putting in a new one with almost no it- technical issues. That 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 that's that's tantamount to heresy in in our world because P2P is so complicated. And yet, if you do it right, if you do this platform approach right, the fact that you could plug in P2P platforms is is staggering to me.
0: Are, are they managing P2P then completely outside of ERP? I mean, I guess they have to link back somehow back into an ERP system to pay their vendors, right? There has to be some sort of final, final loop. yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's it's their sort of platform is tied very, uh, very uh, nicely into their ERP system so that they, they have this layer in between. So they're not dependent on the P2P plugging into the ERP. You're just plugging the P2P into this middleware sort of approach, which to me is just brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it again, it, it gives them the power to not be beholden to a P2P pl- provider.
0: Yeah, and and a lot of well in, in many instances, these legacy suites have kind of become glorified P2P systems, haven't they? Because that's that's the bit, as you as you alluded to, that's the bit that's really hard to migrate into something else. You know, especially you know, especially if you especially if you're running an ecosystem that's tied in heavily to the ERP and they've done an expensive ERP integration with it. On the one hand, they're on, on the one hand, I guess companies are uh, a very risk-averse to rip all that apart, and also they've got a lot of sunk cost in terms of the investment. Because, you know, as you said, you know, if you hire a major consultancy, be it Kearney or be it one of the ones that are more into into implementation and integration, it's it's not a cheap project usually to implement one of these. And I guess companies do have to be of a certain size to to even be able to afford it.
1: Yeah. And I, I think this is the, that's exactly the difference. We spent a lot of bad, you know, money on bad projects or projects that didn't land. And so we can't just immediately, I had no career if I walked in and said, well, you got to rip that out. <laughs> like, so it, it is going to be an evolution, but you can already see that so I tend to work with extreme leaders or extreme laggards, you know, basically, because they're the ones that want to change the most. And are can afford carne rates, so the so the leaders ha- have either gotten past that or have 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 surmounted that hurdle, and and I think the the sort of the, the extreme laggards that wanted leapfrog to the future, recognize that they don't want to put all that sunk cost in again.
0: I mean the the sweet market now is becoming more consolidated, and I think it would be. It would be a fool to argue against anyone that uh, that the, 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 that's sort of not in the park that I guess Ariba and Cooper are the are the are the sort of leading to in terms of market share what's what do you see happening to the ones that have maybe fallen a little bit behind in terms of in terms of their market share do you think they will pivot and go best of breed or do you think they will go a little bit down market and try and aim at at mid-sized businesses to to scoop up that segment what what are your thoughts on where that's going to go
1: well i think it's first of all i think (laughs) that i think the sweet market is artificially propped up i don't think it's uh, um as expansive i think it's under duress and and sort of what you're, you're you're alluding to is I think Coupa and Ariba are the de facto leaders. They're the two that I see in the in the large enterprises that 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 effectively compete a, a anymore. And you might get others in an RFP process, and it, every once in a while, one of them may break through and win the business. But mean, between SAP's immense leverage into most enterprises and And Coupa is, 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 is clearly doing um, a lot of things, right. So that, that, you know, they, they, they show well and perform well. So clearly those two. So I think, I think the, the question for me is, is who steps in to challenge those two that is not a traditional suite provider does a Salesforce does an AWS does a somebody else come along and interject themselves as for the others that remain, I think they um I think they have a real challenge ahead of them. I, I think if, if they go best or if they move to this platform approach and really leverage the 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 innovation that's out there, then I think they can move potentially up and you know, maybe over five years kind of get their work their way back into that big mark, you know, enterprise market. Or as I argued in my most recent book is they, they probably fall back into the mid, mid-size, which is okay. That's perfect. That's not a criticism. There's, there's, that is the next frontier, the last frontier, whatever frontier. So I think that's a really, that I, that's not a pejorative statement. I just think there's a lot of opportunity. The problem for them is you have to reset your pricing models because what you charge (laughs) enormous enterprise is not what you charge. And I would also just make one other thing that there are two other elements happening, right? As as you start to see separations and and the rise of private equity, I think the mid-market enterprise market's going to shift too. So I don't think our traditional uh, construct of all this – I think that's going to change too in, in how we price this and how we go how collectively procure tech goes to the market. The the other piece that uh, I would say is that I think there's going to be and this will get to my predictions at the end, but I also think there's going to be an ERP reconciliation at some point here. And um or yeah. and so that will disrupt this question too because historically if you look at how erps developed and then p2p s2p or s2c source to contract procure to pay how they all evolved they all evolved separately but i think very much if you look at next generation erp it's got to be much more tightly embedded and designed with uh with with procurement you know, in- embedded versus we're trying to connect two systems.
0: Whereas, yeah, versus just as an afterthought. Yes. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Microsoft and Workday because they've both been on a bit of an acquisition spree in the in the procurement. So Microsoft buying Saplari and, and Workday with with Scout, and now is it Vendly that they recently acquired? Um, mm-hmm. Do you think they could be a challenger to, to SAP or Oracle in the ERP space?
1: Yeah. So. Um, Yes. The short answer is yes. Although Workday is somewhat opaque in what they do. So it's not clear if, you know, how far into this space they want to go because they have an ERP solution too. And so I think they're positioned, certainly well positioned to do that. How conser- How aggressively they do that or how conservatively they don't do that, they, you know, they've been very measured. Um, I think that that's a a question to be answered. I certainly think Microsoft uh would be a a contender too. Uh when you look at they have the pieces in place with dynamics and supplari. Um and and if I <laughs> if I could get an I would basically sell him that 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 y- you should do exactly what I was just saying is reimagine ERP with with procurement embedded in it and um, I think they have a really nice between Azure and Dynamics, and you know their other assets in place. I think they could make a be a very strong contender very quickly. Whether they choose to do that or not, I mean, again, AWS could do the same thing with with the entire Amazon supply chain sort of software that they've built. There, there's there's a lot of different options out there, and Google, you know, you never know. Some, you know, there's a whole lot of smart engineers down there. Um, so I don't. I think, although those could be contenders, it's just the the question is is how quickly will it elevate up on the on their strategic agenda?
0: And and would it even be for Amazon or Google? I mean, I guess there's a natural fit for Microsoft and and to some extent Workday, but would Amazon even want to go into it? Because like you said, I mean, they with Amazon Business, they could quite easily put together a guided buying solution, right? Because they're pretty much. They have got the basic tech that will most of the tech in place with their B2C solution and with and with Amazon business that's the you know it's growing like 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 wildfire right now and with the integrations that they're doing with a lot of the best of breed solutions in the in the source to pay space.
1: Yeah, I, I again I think that, that remains to be seen. But it, but if you take the broader view of ERP has to go through a reconciliation and a reimagination, I think that Opens the door for any and all possibilities, um, and but I, I know that's like three or four steps away from from the the today. But I think if you're really looking at challengers, because coming out of COVID, the one thing we understand, the entire world understands, is supply chain disruptions. So much so that they're becoming yeah. a a de facto excuse. So eventually, enough people, enough money, enough effort will be put in, and s- some breakthrough will happen. Even if it's incremental, we'll eventually break through this logjam or this intellectual logjam. And again, it's 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 not just source to pay; it's it's ERP and source to pay.
0: Okay. So that's everything about sort of ERPs and and suites. Let's let's move on now to the exciting stuff, which is more around the best of breed, specifically around this is a this is a mushrooming ecosystem, right? And there's there's a lot of there are a lot of best of lists out, out there. There's a lot of white papers being written. There's a lot of research on this topic. I'm always a little bit skeptical number one for transparency if I'm perfectly honest but number two it's it's so subjective isn't it I mean if you go on Amazon and you want to buy a laptop and you read a review you can get a pretty good idea of whether it's any good or not but if you read a review on procurement software well <laughs> something that uh, something that a fortune 500 company thinks is wonderful, may be completely irrelevant to like 250 million dollar or euro company and like the same argument as well in terms of procurement maturity and you know how much clout it has as a function within uh, within, a, within an organization whether they've got I hate the word but the seat at the table <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, how? What, what? What are your thoughts on these best of lists in general? I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think they have a purpose, and it's better that it's 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 good to have a place to start. But you know, is it is it reliable for someone to make their decision just based off of that?
1: Well, that's a big question. So uh, this might turn into a lecture versus an answer, but we'll we'll see how this goes. So I think I'm very critical of analysts. I'm very critical of super critical of consultants because I think we artificially inflate the market. Uh, We get excited collectively and uh, at the best case and the worst case is is it's self-serving to create hype and create this whole uh, chaos is is the only word I can think of. I th- and and I'm not a big fan in general of I'm certainly not a, a fan of two by two evaluations because I think that creates artificial markets and it doesn't look at uh, what's happening what true innovation is happening because you either have to fit into that framework or or you don't get um, you know, identified and so much of over the last five years so much of the innovation doesn't fit neatly into a box and by the way those innovations shift and change yeah. on a call it six month you know year 18 month basis so um w- where you you brought up Tealbook, where teal started and where they are now <laughs> those are two vastly different yeah. and and yeah. i could make that argument for a whole like uh, many of them so I think, so that's, that's my one comment. So I think you have to be very skeptical of the market and the hype and all of that. What you do have to understand is that there is a lot of innovation happening, which is a great thing, although it's hard to keep track of. And at the same time, what that tells me is that we need, uh, better buyers of, of this software. We have to upskill ourselves. So, and, and to me, it's a capability uplift that every one of us, not just the consultants, not just the analysts, not just the, the people in the market, but actually everybody that buys or uses the software has to level up to a degree to understand what's going on. Just like in our personal lives, we have to understand what fa- Facebook and uh, Netflix and Google are doing with our data or even Amazon, that we have become products and they're using our data to make money it's incumbent upon us as a society to understand that i'm going off topic a little bit but but i think in a similar way we in the, being in this digital era or this digital revolution every every person has to understand the data that's collected about them and how it's being used against them or for them for or against can be both and, um, and similarly, I would argue just in our in society, we have to understand how these algorithms work and how our behavior gets manipulated. And, uh, and, and that's, that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just the reality of the world we live in. Similarly, you, anybody that buys procurement software cannot just take a vendor's word for it, nor a consultants word for it. And when I go into companies, I will give them an option like three, four, five, six options of who is probably doing the best or is the most mature at this capability. But then I leave it for them to run the RFP and make the evaluation because no matter what I think as an outsider, and, or, and it might even be sort of inside the building, quote unquote, but the end of the day, there are other considerations that I'm not privy to, and so they. I want my clients to make those decisions and and to do the evaluations, filtering all this massive noise down to a handful. That's 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 my job, and, and just to sort of put a, a fine point on this and sort of circle back to the the top ten lists or the whatever top whatever lists. I started tracking this this uh, market when there was less than a hundred startups, and I was really I, I have all these old materials, and old by being five years ago, where it was two hundred and fifty million of venture capital funding, and I used to track this, and I used to meet with every one of these these startups, and and I talked to so staff at Tealbook, I would talk to, her and we you know we would we exchange information, and I would meet just about every founder, and I still meet lots and lots of founders. But my point is, is even the market's outgrown what I can do and what Carney can do, because my little spreadsheet of 100 <laughs> looks so quaint now. It looks so anachronistic because there's what the last numbers, it's got to be over $4 billion of VC funding in ProcureTech specifically. And yeah. and so ultimately, I don't do it anymore. I just can't. And, and in full disclosure, Carney has a a, a relationship with the ProcureTech 100. And it's because it's because Eloise is not going to couldn't do it anymore. And and so um, we had to outsource that that market evaluations to yeah. somebody else um, because it's just too broad and too expansive. And and so um yeah, so that that I that that did kind of turn into a lecture. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> And yeah, no, I know I get it. And we've got two hundred and seventy-six on procurementsoftware.site and we've got another thirty-five that we're gonna be adding in a few weeks' time and yeah, it's and and it's it's a very fine line, isn't it? Where do you draw the line? Because there is crossover from procure tech to legal tech to fintech to supply chain tech, and and it's and it's very subjective, isn't it, about where you cross the line? I mean, I, I I've looked through procure tech 100, and and there are some that I personally wouldn't describe as being pure play procure tech, but then when you look at who the the, the list was authored for, it's big enterprise level. Yeah, corporate organizations and they probably would need to look at, look at some of that. Whereas, you know, a mid market business wouldn't necessarily need a lot of the solutions that are, that are in that list, which again, goes back to start with the end in mind, where do you want to get to? What's the purpose? But, but yeah, I, I agree. It's hard work and it took me a long time to pull it all together.
1: Well, yeah. And also I would, I I think that you brought up a good point because like at the big enterprise level, what you're seeing is is so you take legal. You have a legal department and you have the sales side or the commercial side and you have the procurement side, like three users, three different users of legal software right. or legal tech. And eventually, like like historically, commercial has bought their stuff and procurements bought their stuff and legal's bought their stuff. I think at, at the enterprise level, I think they're starting to to and you know, we've helped companies with this started to consolidate that and actually use one legal tech platform. So it very quickly becomes uh, used on, uh, it becomes a different discussion. Absolutely true for supply chain, because if you look at the more modern pl- planning software, or even the supplier collaboration software, they're really looking at this end-to-end and so, so procurement is increasingly less focused on procurement as as sort of a individual tower and more part of this bigger supply chain. And in fact, I would argue at the interval that the building the next generation supply chain is really a function for procurement as much as anybody else. I think we are a partner in that, and I think historically we have we have been over here as you know on one thing and and you know the plan and make and deliver towers have been kind of over there separate and i think that's an area of maturity where we have to come together so i i think it's it's again it's a collective maturing in operations supply chain procurement and and the like so and i think that's all good i think that's ex- exciting because at, at the enterprise level you can't you can't put lead box and not have all this proliferation just like you can't do risk you can't just do risk with employees because your biggest risks are going to come through your supply base so like the fact that cios don't look at suppliers is just just blows my mind that like like and yet all these hacks come through the suppliers. so so i think as we look to the future these these barriers these are are going to it's going to get muddy and 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 i will say on on procure tech 100 we debate this i debate this with with lance and and we talk about this and there's no easy answer it's because no, it's not it's not right and 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 the mark and the market's changing so fast that it's like i think we're all playing catch-up continually and and i can't imagine for my class, we're just like getting bombarded with all this stuff to try and d- d- decipher it. I think that's where good consultants can help is to help decipher, but not to
0: make decisions. I, I would fully agree with you there, that it's really, really hard to be able to make that separation line. And I, I had the same problem as well, putting together procurement software. At what point do you say this isn't procure tech? it's not going in? There are some that are clearly that, that have something to do with procurement but clearly isn't focusing on selling to procurement and that's kind of where that's kind of where i drew my line you know would they typically sell that solution to a procurement professional rather than a finance or a legal professional um, but yeah, if you're a manufacturing business, you're probably going to be more interested in logistics tech or or, or ESG yep. tech than you are in fintech, for example. It really depends on, on what type of organization you are and, and, and what you're looking to buy. I, I did like and I'm just gonna wheel back to one of the comments that you made around it's you like to leave it up to your clients to make the final decision around the tech. And I that really spoke to me because. One of the things that I had in mind when I, when, when I built my website, when I built my business was really to say procurement leaders for the most part are smart enough to be able to do a detailed RFI, RFP process on a short list of solutions. It's just getting to that point. That's their struggle because A, they're busy and and B, because as you alluded to the market's so confusing and it's changing all the time. So giving them the tools to get to that point in my opinion is is that is going to be their biggest pain point and um and yes some of them will hire a consultant to do the end end-to-end process great we all need to earn money from that somehow but if they don't have or if they do have limited means and limited budget i don't know my view i'd love to hear what you think but i think that's i think that's the real pain point the real challenge is just there's a proliferation of tools out there in the market. And it's just knowing what's out there. If you don't, if you're not a practitioner that has deep knowledge of this space.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, ultimately it's, it's, we, there there is some upskilling, like we have to lean into this historically procure tech has been at like the, the idea of digital procurement has been managed by half an FTE in these big organ or enterprise half an FTE who manages the uh, a source to pay contract or the P2P contract, whatever the, the, the vendor.
0: A- and it's a that's special project, it. right? Development right. opportunity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and so that's not digital. That's just keeping the lights on and, and solving, you know, a modicum of the issues that come up on a day-to-day basis. And, and so like, and i'm not picking on procurement i mean procurement has a lot on their plate today but but over time just like all of us use iphones but if you've ever watched a kid use an ipad or an iphone they do things you know a hundred times faster and better than we do as as older folks so i think naturally over time this is going to change as we become much more adept at digital more broadly And just like i was talking about the data and about the um uh you know understanding algorithms and at the same time we also have to understand that many of the consultants that walk in are biased and i think we've had a lot of people a lot of you know foxes guarding the hen house to use that old cliche because yeah. and i'm very clear about biases or and and i stay uh, independent um because i think and that's why i also don't want to do the final decision because i ultimately I don't want to sway a company based on my own sort of biases and, and, and influences. So, uh, and I don't think we've been honest about that. Whereas your systems integrator is, you know, tightly, you know, enmeshed with the analyst, which is tightly enmeshed with the tech providers. I think, I mean, you look at like, who's sponsoring these conferences, who's sponsoring these articles, who's sponsoring all this stuff. I think I think that I don't think that's unique to procurement, but I also think it's problematic. And that's I I, I, and instead of (laughs) taking them to task for doing that, I think that's natural in 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 markets. But I also think if you have buyers that are more discerning and are willing to challenge that and make their own decisions and not outsource the decision making to third parties, then I think we start to get past that and and that market will react. In, in in the ways that are that that become de biasing.
0: And with, with conferences at least it's clear who's paid to be a sponsor, isn't it? You know, they've got their names up in up in flashing lights, but in some of these reports that you read. It's not transparent if they're paid to play or not, at least with conferences, it's out there, you know, who's paid to sponsor it, but you might get a glass of wine or a beer out of them if you go to the reception after it. But with a lot of the, with a lot of these reports, it's not transparent at all.
1: No, exactly. And I I have a real problem with that. And uh, uh, and I think, well, I'm cranky because I'm getting old, but like, I have a problem with reports that say nothing, you know, that are just saccharine and just sort of talk about, you know, use a lot of buzzwords, but equally so that are just chock full of biases and sort of that there's a pay-to-play aspect of it. And I'm very anti-pay-to-play. I just, even at conferences, although I, I, I take your point and agree that we know who's sponsoring it. I, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't think that's a good money for the sponsors, but, y- you know, it, it's just, it just feels like, um the 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 it feels like everything has just become this gigantic circle exchange of money of everybody scratching each other's backs and I don't think that that drives I, I don't think that drives the outcomes we want and if you if you want evidence of that, look no further than the ERP market because very little innovation, very little uh and very poorly designed and sort of upkeep or upcat uh, solutions that, that have not, I mean, part of our big supply chain problems today are a result of this very narrow closed market that everybody's paying off one another in various degrees, not literally, um, don't want to get in trouble, but, um, but I think that, uh, um, uh, I, I very much, I just think that that's um, I think that's part of our problem is that if we're not really looking at who's where the money is flowing and and look I'm not a conspiracy theorist so I just think that's normal business but I also think that's holding us back
0: yeah and it's it's the it's almost the the old adage that no one got fired for for hiring IBM scenario it's almost evolved into in procurement tech no one gets fired for sourcing supplier x
1: (laughs) well right and and i wrote i used that quote in my book (laughs) and i I said nobody gets fired for choosing sap which i think is actually true i mean there's there's a certain logic to it and i'm not criticizing sap not today um but um (laughs) uh uh but i think that just because you don't get fired and you could go back to the old days just because you didn't get fired for choosing ibm doesn't mean seated. There, there's a difference. Not getting fired and succeeding uh, it, are two totally different outcomes. And I would also say that succeeding, like we are standing, this is a moment in time. If you go back 10 years, CIOs had a moment to make the pivot to become digital, to become chief digital officers. Some did, some didn't. I don't know what the, the, the differentiation are, but you can tell who made that pivot and who didn't. And I think procurement—we yeah. are standing at the precipice of this great opportunity. And so, what are we going to do about it? And not going to buy old ways of working. Forget the technology. Just the entire old ways of working are not going to get you to the the future and and where we're going. And I think and where we're going, I'm very excited about and. And so I think there's a rocket ship engine for all of us to hop on to, to to take that to the future.
0: That leads me really nicely on, actually. And I swear this is not scripted. Uh, So the last thing that I was going to ask you, which is, you know, where is the future? What do you see? First of all, I wanted to ask, what do you see in terms of change when it comes to personnel structure within procurement teams? And I guess I mean by that sort of more Diversification, more specialisms in in roles. Is that is that something that you see? And if and if you do think that's the way it's going, what new sort of job titles or job roles do you think there will be?
1: Yeah, I think. Um, well, certainly organizationally, I would argue that everybody in the organization has to the skills have to change, and because so much of the skills that we have been t- historically training on aren't going to or they're getting they're getting digitized, whether it's automated or, you know, or brought together through this intelligence. Um, Like the, the I think the category manager role declines and in some cases, in many cases, largely goes away. Now, not all my colleagues agree with that. Not everybody in the industry is ready to hear that. And I, I think there are certain categories and commodities that are very strategic. You wouldn't necessarily whole scale get rid of. But on the other hand, I do think that um, I do think that there's there's going to be a skill change. And I would also argue that instead of hiring data scientists to come do procurement, I think procurement people have, have to develop more data science skills and that doesn't mean programming algorithms. it just means again having a greater digital literacy around what we're trying to ask of technology and or, or of digital. And so so I think the skills change I think the people change and then um, and, and so co- correspondingly I think our org structures change. unfortunately I've, I've been asked this question um, I don't have a good new job titles. But I think we have to. uh, I think um, we are going to have people with much broader business capabilities um, because you also have now schools that are churning out students that are, crossing supply chain. So it's not just one thing, and they have stronger analytical capabilities because especially grads or MBA programs are spending a lot of time on advanced analytics. So. The, the younger generation coming into the workforce or at least the newer generation coming in has a lot more skills uh, that you know, cross broader sets of business understanding and um, analytics. And even those that don't yeah. go to the MBA school, there's still, I think, a collective understanding in ways. If you just consume podcasts like, like this one or any of the you know hundreds of others you can find podcasts and learnings on YouTube or even TikTok. That that bring greater level of competency that we've never seen before. We have access to information that has just never uh, that we've never had. So I think that changes. I think that fundamentally changes the organization and then the way we work. If it's going to be digital first, we are going to you know work from a perspective of good user experience and uh, and and automation. And I think the two really drive the the future op model. Um, I'll pause, but then I can, I will also, I'll let you react to that. But um, uh, but uh, but I can also answer where I think we're going as a function.
0: Yeah, no i i I completely I completely sign up to that as well. I think personal accountability in terms of career development or skills. Yeah, it's out there now, isn't it? You know, twenty years ago, it wasn't possible unless uh, unless you did a postgraduate study or, an, or or unless you did some sort of extra extracurricular training. But but now with YouTube and with online courses, you know, things like Udemy and and Skillshare and all of these platforms. I mean, yes, it won't get you to master's level, but it will at least give you a foundation that can that can help you upskill and and survive the change that's coming in the workplace. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: There's also greater mentorship now. I think because of the call it whatever social connections, we can we we're much more closely connected and mentoring one another or helping one another in ways that 20 years ago didn't ex- wasn't accessible, just didn't exist.
0: No, very true. Yeah the The final thing that I wanted to ask you if we gaze into our crystal ball a little bit is where do you think the biggest growth is going to be now in the in the sort of more holistic procure tech market and do you think it will go more downstream towards the mid market and that will be the final frontier or or do you think there'll be a big mushrooming in the space of you know net zero esg compliance risk management in the in the enterprise space?
1: So, <laughs> well, I think it's both. I, and I think, the, I think two things are going to happen. I think you're going to have mid markets through what the big enterprise in the last 20 years. I, I think it'll be faster. It'll be a lot less painful for them, I hope, because uh, I think for better or worse, the enterprises just pioneered this and became the guinea pigs to, to drive through that. So. Um, so the mid markets, I think, will will get huge benefits as they adopt and mature this. So I, th- I think it's a really good time for them. On the enterprise agenda, it's very clear. At least I, I have a very clear argument. Whether whether people agree or whether it comes to pass is, is a different issue. But as as a function, we've gone from cost, which was sort of three bits in a buy, to total cost, which factored in quality and delivery and. Uh, rebates and all that and i think and and that that's sort of uh where we've come out over the last 10 15 20 years and now we're moving into total value and total value to me is uh is is facilitating slash driving innovation it's esg all things esg which i think if we tease that apart is is a whole mushroom cloud of its own Um, i think grouping it under esg is almost a disservice and then it's going to be risk and resiliency. And then it's going to be a, a advanced uh, cost um, or I would say advanced um, uh, uh, value opportunities or, or partnership opportunities and, and our new business models is, is what I'm trying to get out. Um, yeah. And I think all of those, so risk ESG, Uh, innovation and new business models have nothing to do with cost savings and now they're driven by that they're enabled by that and our jobs are de facto going to be cost savings i don't think that changes but if that's the only measurement uh, then i think that gets automated i don't think that managing the elusive <laughs> savings number each year that's not you can't hang your hat on that and you certainly are not going to get or keep a seat at the at the big table at the big leadership table and and so i think the question is is in, in all of those 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 new areas they're all driven by third parties innovation is driven by third parties its risk is comes through third parties esg all through third parties, and and they're all interconnected, and and so I think it's incumbent. That's the opportunity. Pure I mean that's the short answer. That's the opportunity for us because as we design next generation supply chains, as I alluded to earlier, they are going to be, uh, they're going to consist increasingly of third parties, and we are now the new way of working is all these multi-party businesses, their, uh, whether they're partnerships or joint ventures or, um, you know, all these different ways of operating as businesses, like that's really good. And and who better to orchestrate all of that than procurement? That's our job is to deal with third parties. Now, if you go back to, well, three bids and a buy, well, that's not really strategic, and, but if you think about how is it Mercedes or BMW one of them just did a partnership with Nvidia and where uh, Nvidia gets money from every car sold because they've embedded the Nvidia processors in, in which Nvidia is really for those that don't know really good at, at AI they have AI uh, chips and and so obviously the future of cars is more more AI in the itself so just the partnership with nvidia is is brilliant well who better to facilitate that innovation than than procurement it's not that they have to do the r&d themselves there's obviously going to be design and engineers but figuring out how to negotiate that because i'm sure you've been in a lot of negotiations that that you know are all about getting to the, the lowest you know dollar amount And was that they sharpen the pencil like yeah. if you come in with that attitude and like that's not going to get you a, a, a car maker NVIDIA uh, partnership. And I think that's where procurement's future is. And then conversely, <laughs> procurement's job is to make sure that those those chips or whatever, those uh, digital providers are not bringing risk into your uh, enterprise. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very, very valid point. And it's almost the whole, I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of negotiation training in the past. And one of the first things I ask is, do you think Donald Trump is a good negotiator? Because it, it makes people think, right? Because if if you're if you want to buy a car and it's a one-time transaction, he's probably great. But if you if you've got to maintain a multi-year relationship with a supplier, then you probably wouldn't want him sat next to you at the table. And 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 I do that just to get people thinking around the outcome. You know, is it a one-time one-time transaction or is it is it an ongoing relationship? But you're absolutely right. It's about uh, procurement is so much more than cost savings. And I think one of the biggest challenges is getting CFOs to have the commercial literacy beyond just looking at purchase price variants to be able to embed that in the way that we're measured. And, and yes, you know, the worm is changing in some of these larger enterprises that see that, but I think there's a, there's a huge segment of the market that still doesn't get it.
1: Yeah, no, I think that, I think it's an evolution. um, And, and, but I think, I think the innovators see that. And and I think that's what's exciting about it. that's why I love procurement. I get up every day excited about procurement because I think we are at this transitory moment, and I think that's great. And 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 I just want I, you cannot drop a Donald Trump reference and not you know I I cannot let that go <laughs> as 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 an American that has suffered through the last four years. But I think you 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 kind of alluded to this and if you look at like there's it's the difference between a one-time transaction and developing relationships and i think we saw four years not to get political but we saw four years of myopic one-time transaction let me give me the best price and you know I'll, i'll whack you in the head on the way out the door too just to boot um I don't think that's the way business operates in the 21st century. Certainly not in 2022 going forward because we're just too interconnected. Uh, you know, car, today's cars are platforms, various platforms on wheels. I heard that yesterday. Uh, I think we are look at look at the tech ecosystem. It's not it's not sweets versus best of breeds. It is this merging together of platforms It's, it's look at procurement and broader supply chains. It's not either or we're coming together. And, and increasingly the, the, it's also my legal example from earlier, the commercial, the legal and the procurement, like we're coming together. And, and so it's much, much more about collaboration and sharing and building ultimately relationships. And I think that's the piece that often gets missed in all of this is that, um, This is really tomorrow's business is about building and sustaining relationships.
0: And that is the perfect quote to end this session. Eloise, I'm extremely grateful of the time that you've spent with me uh, today. We've almost clocked up an hour and I know you've got a busy day ahead of yourself. So uh, I'm going to let you go. But thank you so much for joining me. Last question. If anyone would like to uh, connect with you or learn more about what you do, uh, where's the best place that we can send them?
1: Uh, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm sometimes slow, but uh, uh, you can absolutely reach me there. And also you can also read my book on Amazon. And uh, if you send me a note, I'm happy to send it to you as well. I, I don't make money off it. So <laughs> I, I really want to just get it out there to everybody to read. So it, it has my direct tone in it. So.
0: <laughs> That's it. Books and podcasts are not to make money. They're expensive business cards. <laughs> exactly. That philosophy, too. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, have a great day. And yeah, keep in touch. It was a pleasure to have you on. Indeed. Thank you. Bye.